And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. God damn it, Zach. Don't be crazy. Justin, I didn't invent the rainy day. I just sell the best umbrellas. I like it. Yeah, you like it? You buying my umbrellas? If it's colorful, I like a lot of color. <laughs> <laughs> I am a peacock of sorts. And uh, yeah, I don't want no like plain Jane umbrellas. I got to have a, a crazy one. <laughs> With ducks like all co- over it. Yeah, I was going to say like Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe one of those clear dome ones so people could look at me. And I can pretend I'm like at the top of a submarine just kind of looking around. <laughs> Bye, guys. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I like umbrellas, too. I use them, even though Seattle is rainy a lot and there's this dumb, uh, I don't know, secret rule that you can't have an umbrella when you live in Washington because you have to be used to the rain. I call BS on all that. I have a rain shell and I carry an umbrella with me wherever I go because I ain't trying to get my pants wet. Ain't no no fun if you have wet pants. So it is a very stupid rule. Cool, man. Um, So how are things? It's good, I think. Uh, it's sunny here in Seattle. It's great. Enjoying it. Got a birthday coming up soon. Um, got some cake inside. It's pretty good. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want on your cake, imbecile? <laughs> <laughs> it is your birthday. <laughs> it is your birthday period. I know. I'm excited. My presents arrived for you. So then you get to open them and then it'll be fun. Yeah, I know. I'm excited too, man. I will. Uh, I'll send you pictures when I open them bright and early at 6 a.m. on Friday morning. I'm gonna wake up like Kevin McAllister and say, "Holy smokes, it's Christmas morning!" Yeah, <laughs> cars are still here. They didn't go to the airport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did the look, but you can't see it. <laughs> Andy wants to see it. Andy wants to see it. <laughs> so, what have you been watching, man? Tell me. Tell me what's up. Uh, not not a ton, honestly. I had a busy weekend. It was great. I went cycling and I uh, went about 45 miles on the bike. It was great. Uh, but during the weekday, I was able to watch a couple things. I did watch, I concluded my Mortal Kombat uh, cutscene viewing. So it's kind of like I played it, except I didn't need to play <laughs> it. But uh, Mortal Kombat 11, I watched the entire three hour cutscene thing. And it was uh, it was great. Um Really yeah, fun so last, story. Last night I actually played through Aftermath because we were talking about it on the telephone mm-hmm. and I hadn't played Aftermath yet. I had it downloaded, but I never played the campaign, which is basically just like an expansion of the of the first game. And uh, at the end, you can decide who you want to play as. Like, do you yeah. want to be Shang Tsung or do you want to be Liu Kang? So I'm curious in your watching, did it give you both endings? No, it only gave me Liu Kang. So I don't know what happens with Shang Tsung. Do you know what happens? Yeah, I don't because I, I chose Liu Kang. So I was hoping to get the answer from you. Oh, <laughs> damn it! I'm now sure, I got to play it all over again. I'm sure we could find it somewhere. It took for a you. couple hours to get through the. Uh, I mean, because I'm doing the fight sequences, whereas you're just watching the cutscenes. But it definitely took a while. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I did it sure. in a night. But it's not the end of the world. It was a couple hours, but I was exhausted when it was over. 
Yeah, and and you know, I I never really I'm not a huge fighting game fan. That's the only downside, but I do love the story mode that they did because I think it's it's really fun that they keep continuing it. And obviously, you know, they can progress from MK11 to the eventual MK12 because I don't imagine they're going to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know. There's no need. No need is a gold mine. Oh yeah, and then um I also watched the the Mitchells versus the Machines. I don't know if you said you saw that or not last week, but uh, I really liked it. It's just a wholesome movie and it's done by Lord and Miller. Um, well, they produced it, but it's the same kind of animation style as uh, Into the Spider-Verse and, and the Lego movie and everything. They kind of have uh, bits and pieces from it, but I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Then I watched North by Northwest from Alfred Hitchcock and I don't know. It wasn't very good. I, I appreciate it, but I was kind of bored throughout the entirety of the film. Um, and then I watched the new mutants and I did not like it. <laughs> um, I, I could see what they were going for and, and it had aspects where I was like kind of being optimistic, but I did not like the movie at all. And I'm, I'm glad it was streaming cause I, I wouldn't pay a dime. I wouldn't pay a dime to see this movie, Justin. So, wow. Yeah. Strong thoughts, strong thoughts, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I don't want to say I enjoyed it, but I'm glad that I watched it. I talked about it on the Geek Legacy podcast, so I don't want to rehash the same story. But um, if you listen to that, then you know my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you watch? Uh, not much. I've just been watching a lot of Seinfeld, just kind of re-binging that. And uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch has begun, so I'm watching that. And then uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, for our Escape Pod podcast which is a lot of fun so yeah i I haven't been watching anything either just been kind of playing it cool man cooler than the other side of the pillow yeah (laughs) billy d williams plus i watched like six (laughs) thousand movies last week so i'm kind of movied out out. (laughs) (laughs) oh man but you know after so last week we did desperado we had lanelle bynum on the show and it was a lot of fun and you brought up an interesting point about the ending and how you thought it was a dream sequence and i was playing devil's advocate pretty much that entire conversation but after having that discussion it makes sense that it is a dream sequence uh i want to choose to believe that he did go ahead and just kill everybody and that's all there is to it but i do like the idea that enough was enough and it took the the death of his friend and uh almost this child to convince him that uh it's time to stop because he'll never be satisfied well and that's what i mean i think i think without going into it too much that movie's about revenge right the whole plot is is revenge it's it's a um it's compounds off of uh, el mariachi and so he even buju even says like when is enough enough for you like you have a, you have the woman you love now and so we're even and you ruined me so it's kind of like what's his end game for this so that's why i think that that was like the tipping point for him was seeing you know el nino the nino get uh injured <laughs> almost almost die basically yeah now he can sit on the couch and watch the tv with his dad yeah mira papa mira <laughs> so there you have it so i just wanted to i had that in my in a little note section a little sticky to on my computer that says uh house cleaning desperado dream sequence <laughs> <laughs> did it also say ay 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 mi amor <laughs> no it wasn't that big of a sticky <laughs> oh, but it said it said bucho that was his the name. words started out big and then they got smaller and smaller <laughs> as i was running out of real estate <laughs> there you go yeah sticky sticky notes are the worst you need sticky quips sticky quips (laughs) sometimes (laughs) sometimes i like to use them instead of regular (laughs) post-its 
Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Are you ready to talk about this week's movie now that we are eight minutes and eight seconds into this? Yes, sir, I am. I'm always ready to talk about this movie. Sure. So we're going to do Almost Famous from 2000. It is streaming on both Hulu and Amazon Prime. This, uh, for the record, everyone should know that this is one of your favorite motion picture shows. It is directed by Cameron Crowe, who you might know from... uh, Say Anything, Singles, Jerry Maguire, and Vanilla Sky, which is also Zach's favorite movie. <laughs> oh, you better believe it, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I said that to someone today on the Twitter. You better believe it, Buster. I say it to you all the time. and or you, say it to, you say it to me all the time, and you say it to everybody, so I just steal all your shit. So. Right, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. TM. <Hell> for love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was written by Cameron Crowe, who also wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Which I believe was directed by Amy Heckerling, but I, yes. my memory is a foozy at the moment. Which you're, I love that movie. Correct, I do too. Phoebe Cates, I have, man. I Oof. have the soundtrack on LP. Cool buzz and tasty wave. <laughs> <laughs> no shirt, no shoes, no dice. Oh my god! <laughs> I remember being a teenager thinking like Damone was just the coolest guy ever, and then spoiler alert, he gets someone pregnant, and then he's not there for her. So it's a little <laughs> less cool at the end, but. Yeah. At the beginning, I'm uh I'm uh, picking up what he's putting down. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Uh the cast includes Billy Crudup, Patrick Fugit, which I th- isn't he the guy that's in the movie that we just watched? <laughs> yeah, Gone the- Girl. Yeah. Because you said you said Patrick Fugit. No, you said fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but I said Fugit this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Budget? I think it's, I think it's Fugit. I think it's Fugit. Fugit. It's a Fugazi. <laughs> then you got the Kate Hudson, Francis McDormand, Jason Lee, Zoe Deschanel, Anna Paquin, Faruza Balk, which by the way, this might be her best role ever mm-hmm. in the history of her career. I will say that she's done a lot of crazy stuff, including like Return to Oz and of course The Waterboy and The Craft. But I do think that this character that Faruza Balk plays is probably one of the most like genuine and down to earth human beings ever. And uh, I really enjoyed her performance. Me too. And then you have Philip Seymour Hoffman and Jimmy Fallon. So quite the uh, quite the who's who. Of course, this movie is twenty years old now, so some of these people, um, you know, were were just blossoming into their careers, which is mm-hmm. also always fun. A very right. young Zoe Deschanel and Anna Paquin. Uh, this was right around the time that she did uh, X Men. She, she was Rogue Anna Paquin. That is. Yeah, she was 18 uh, in this during this movie. Yeah, looks like it too. She looks like a kid. Yeah, right. So, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, yeah, we love him to death. He's great. Yeah, I know. So anyway, moving on. Critical reception on the old Rotten Tomato meter. They it scores at a whopping 89 percent from the critics and 92. This is the A minus uh, from the fans. So that's great. And uh, just kind of st- we'll start off with the bad, since there's only one. Andrew Saris from The Observer. He says, none of the non-musical components on the screen match the excitement of the music. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there's like three moments of music in this whole musical movie. <laughs> yeah. <but> whatever. <laughs> I wonder what he was watching. <laughs> I don't know. He was watching Across the Universe, because that movie sucks. West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. Or the Beat It music video. There you that go. Too. Uh, Richard Corliss from Time Magazine says, The movie's so clever and endearing, you can forget the almost. That's funny. 
And then uh, Danielle Salzman from Solzy at the Movies says, Almost Famous will stand the test of time. And I think good music always does. Yeah. So Pretty great stuff, it. man. Yeah. Uh, the budget was $60 million. Opening weekend, it did $2.3 million. That was on September 17th of the year 2000. It grossed the United States at $32.5 million. And worldwide, you are looking at 47.3. Yikes. It did not connect with everyone. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely picked up steam uh, after it was in theaters because it is a beloved classic now by me. <laughs> and and I'm sure some other people. Obviously, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Rotten Tomatoes is the most uh, obviously the film the film lovers uh, bible. There, I guess you could say. So. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think that the year 2000 was a particularly great year for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are some movies out there that are awesome. You know, like Dude, mm-hmm. Where's My Car and fucking Road Trip, <laughs> but. <laughs> It was kind of a weird year for movies. I think um, people were doing other things. Yeah. Well, 99 was such a phenomenal year for film, and this was kind of like the hangover year for it. But Yeah, it really was. It's a bunch of yeah. bunch of like okay and duddy movies, you know? Like, there's stuff that you'll watch <clears throat> when they're on, but nothing that you had to absolutely go see or you would die. Yeah. Snatch, Memento, American Psycho, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, Bedazzled, your favorite movie. <laughs> Those are all movies that actually, just like this, picked up steam after they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, Unbreakable was one of those M. Night Shyamalan movies where everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, it's Twist, how cool, that's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Dollars to Donuts, a lot of these movies picked up steam long after they were released. Yeah, Bring It On, Final Destination, Castaway, The Patriot uh titan ae i mean like yeah you're absolutely right these these are definitely and i think you you said it perfectly these are movies that i feel like if they were on tv i would watch them like little nicky <laughs> i'm gonna pretend like i didn't just see a dog on my couch <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so that movie i fucking love i'll watch that idiot of the week. i'll turn it on right now after this podcast i think it's so fucking funny okay whatever elton john <laughs> <laughs> okay whatever just drink it <laughs> just drink it Oh, schnapps. Peppermint oh schnapps. And like anytime someone does good, I'm always like, oh man, they're on super devil juice. <laughs> Give me that little girl. Give me that little girl. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. Holy I shit. Wish <laughs> oh, oh that's okay. good. Yeah. You ready for some trivia? Yes. Okay. I think so. Well, the film is director Cameron Crowe's semi-autobiographical account of life as a young Rolling Stone reporter. The actual group Crow first toured with was the Allman Brothers, the Allman Brothers band, I should say. Greg Allman distrusted him and kept asking if he was a narc. Crow was in a near fatal plane crash while <laughs> What's traveling wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> while traveling with the Who. The character of Russell Hammond is partially based off, based off of Glenn Fry of the Eagles. I hate the <laughs> hate fucking, fucking Eagles. Eagles. <laughs> don't I don't think I we know can get, it. I don't think we can go single podcast without quoting the Big Lebowski, but I, I'm, I'm all for it. So most of the film or most films have music budgets of less than one and a half million. This film featured over 50 songs with a music budget of three point five million. And that is awesome. Pearl Jam guitarist Mike McCready provided the guitar track for Stillwater songs. So Russell Hammond was Mike McCready. Philip Seymour Hoffman's schedule only permitted him to be on set for four days. He had the flu the whole time. And 
good lord, did he do, do a great job. He might be my favorite character in the movie, other than Penny Lane. In the edited version shown on United Airlines, the scene where the plane malfunctions is completely removed. When Ben Fong Torres reads the opening lines of William's story, it is rewritten to omit the, and we're all about to die line. That's weird. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to hop on a plane and then like they show the movie alive or some shit. <laughs> Wait a minute now. <laughs> so we're supposed to eat the asses? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense, but I mean, that's such a critical moment in the movie. You know, it really what would you is. do when you're faced with death? Um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, and that's why, you know, I, I mostly bring my own movies on airplanes because um, I do know that they're edited. And so it does make it hard because I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I have seen some where I was like, wait a minute, did they just take a whole scene out of this? And sure shit, they did because, you know, they have they need to make it somewhat family friendly. So um, you're not going to find horror films necessarily on a on a flight. But uh, right. So I, I watched somebody watch Ad Astra on the plane and I made up my own dialogue and <laughs> it was a pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, <laughs> our fugitives. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I don't know what average foot speed is in space, but I can imagine, barring injuries, it's probably around four miles per hour. Do you consider yourself an ad astro boy? <laughs> oh shit, that's so good. So, um, okay, that's a true story though. I did write my own dialogue, and then when the movie was over, I, I asked know. what it was about, and I wasn't even close. <laughs> I know, but I like it. It's awesome. So. Okay, are you ready for... I'm sorry, let me yawn real quick. I am ready for football's day. Football's day. So in 1969, child prodigy William Miller struggles to fit in. His life is further complicated after learning that his widowed college professor mother, Elaine, has falsely led him to believe he is 12 years old. William is actually 11, having started the first grade at five years old and skipping fifth grade. Strong-willed Elaine's strict ban on rock music and her fear of pop culture have a negative effect <laughs> look at them they're both on pot <laughs> <laughs> on her children finally drives william's 18 year old sister anita to move to san francisco and become a flight attendant in 1973 william now 15 uh influenced by anita's secret cachet do you say cash i think it's secret cash of rock albums aspires to be a rock journalist writing freelance articles for underground papers in san diego Rock journalist Saint Lester Bangs. Diego. <laughs> Whale's vagina. <laughs> rock, rock journalist Lester Bangs, impressed with William's writing, gives him a $35 assignment to review a Black Sabbath concert. William is barred from backstage until the opening band Stillwater arrives and William flatters his way in. Lead guitarist Russell Hammond takes a liking to him and his new acquaintance, veteran, this is not groupie, veteran band aid Penny Lane, who has taken William under her wing. Despite behaving as stereotypical groupies, Penny Lane insists she and her friends are band-aids, a term she invented to describe female fans that are more f- that are there more for the music than for the rock stars themselves. Rolling Stone editor Ben Fong Torres, believing William is older, hires him s- hires him sight unseen to write an article about Stillwater and sends William on the road with the band. William interviews the other band members, but Russell repeatedly puts him off. Tensions between Russell and lead singer Jeff Beebe soon become evident and not helped at all by the band's first t-shirt, a full band shot that pictures Russell in full view while the rest of the band is virtually in shadows. William is jokingly called the enemy by the band because he is a journalist, but all the same begins to lose his objectivity as he becomes integrated into the inner circle. The band's record company hires Dennis, a professional manager to handle problems with venues and promoters. Penny has to leave before the band reaches New York, where Russell's girlfriend, Leslie, will join them. 
Penny and her three protege band-aids are gambled away to another band in a poker game. Penny acts nonchalant, but is devastated. Meanwhile, Dennis charters a small plane so the band can play more gigs. Penny shows up uninvited to the, to the New York restaurant where the band is celebrating the news that they are to be featured on the cover of Rolling Stone. Penny is asked to leave after Leslie notices her attempts to get Russell's attention. William chases her to her hotel where he saves her from overdosing on quaaludes. Ludes. While flying to another gig <laughs> the following day, the band's plane encounters severe weather. Believing the plane will crash, everyone confesses their secrets while Jeff and Russell's long-simmering conflicts erupt. William confesses his love for Penny after Jeff insults her. The plane lands safely in Tupelo, uh, leaving everyone to ponder the changed atmosphere. William arrives at the Rolling Stone office in San Francisco, but has difficulty finishing the article. Seeking help, he calls Lester Bangs, who says William got caught up in being part of the band. He says William's perceived friendships with them are not real and advises him to be honest and unmerciful. Rolling Stone's editors rave over William's completed article, but when the magazine's fact checker calls the ban, Russell lies to protect Stillwater's image and claim most of it's false. Rolling Stone kills the article, crushing William. Anita encounters a dejected William in the airport and offers to take him anywhere. He chooses for them to go to their home in San Diego. Band-Aid, Sapphire, Chast... Band-Aid, Sapphire, chastises Russell for betraying William. Russell calls Penny at her home and wants to meet with her, but she tricks him by giving him William's address. He arrives and finds himself face-to-face with William's mother, who earlier during the tour scolded him over the phone for his behavior. Russell apologizes to William and finally gives him an interview. Russell has verified William's article to Rolling Stone, which runs it as the cover feature. Penny fulfills her long-standing fantasy to go to Morocco while Stillwater tours again by bus. Almost famous. Yeah. What was their tour called? Like No More Planes Tour? Yeah, No More Planes Tour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. So, Justin, when did you first see Almost Famous? And uh, what version did you watch? Uh, So I saw it uh, when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on a digital video disc or whatever, a DVD. And then... Um, I watched it again two nights ago, and both times it was a theatrical release. I don't even think I ever knew that there was a director's cut. Yeah, so I watched it. uh, I've seen it many, many times. This is actually my third favorite film of all time, and I saw it in about 2007, I think. Uh, Stumbled upon it, and I just fell in love with it. But I have seen the theatrical version. I used to own that on DVD, and then there was a bootleg edition is what it was called. Because the original movie was called Untitled, uh, but uh, uh, Universal or Paramount, I think it was who, who did this movie, they said that Cameron Crowe could not make it called Untitled, so it needed to be called Almost Famous. But uh, there is an additional 40 minutes in the bootleg edition, and the scenes are... It's a lot. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, the scenes are somewhat pivotal. There are certain aspects of it that, that make sense. Um, some pretty good one-liners and such, but um, I mean, yeah, you get you get the whole thing in in the two-hour cut too. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's not you know make or break. It's not this ain't no Lord of the Rings extended edition, but it still is it still is pretty good. So, I, I should um, say digital versatile disc before I get yelled at by the nerds. Is that what it you is? know who you are? Yeah. Oh, I got I got fact check once. <laughs> well, well, actually, um... by Josh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like actually, it's digital versatile disc. Oh. <laughs> 
It's not his, a heist his, movie. His, his, his impression of me is uh, every time I say something. Apparently, and apparently, <laughs> I used to say that all the time. I go, uh, that's my voice pretending to be other people, and so his voice pretending to be me is always. Uh. Or you always do. You do it. Yes, yes but. but uh... <laughs> I swear to God, and I read that all the time. Yes, but and I and I always read it in that voice. It's so fucking yeah, funny. Exactly. Oh so, Justin, I want to I want to bring up a somber moment. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman left this world in 2013, I believe. Um, he was a phenomenal actor. Um, it was very sad. He overdosed for from drugs, but uh, I miss him a lot. He's been in some of our our favorite films, and I think you really, really loved him in uh, Boogie Nights. Same with me. I think he was fantastic. Oh my in god, that. he's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> when he's just standing there, when the camera cuts to him, I I die laughing every time after Dirk Dirk leaves after the pool party or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god, Rus- oh. rusty, right? It's just the fucking best, dude. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he he plays a vital part in Almost Famous uh, as the all-knowing real-life mentor, Lester Bangs. As a critic, Lester speaks with his braggadocio about his love of music and appears to have all the answers all the time, even though those are like his opinion, man. Do you know anyone like this? Are they actually incredibly intelligent about said topic, or are they just whistling Dixie? You don't know. You're just whistling Dixie here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I know a couple people, actually. I surround myself by some pretty remarkable people. And uh, David and Randy are are two of them. You know, I I do the Geek Legacy podcast with them. And uh, while they know just ridiculous amounts of, like, Star Wars information, you know, they could, could, uh, you know, write a book about Star Wars telling you everything you ever need to know. And they, they could tell you what floors the bathrooms are on on the Death Star, for crying out loud. And uh, they can speak with total confidence when it comes to Star Wars. And I think it's always so cool and incredible. But that also goes for just like life lessons, man. Like I, I can go to them about just about anything and they will have an answer for me. Or, you know, sometimes they'll just listen or whatever. But they do have those nuggets of, of knowledge that just kind of always steer me in the right direction. And so it's always nice to be, be able to count on on someone like that when I just need to, to reach out. Um, I think you are a perfect example when it comes to movies. And, you know, I can, I can always call on you and... And be like, hey, what do you think about this movie? Why is it like this? Are you sure this has a dream sequence at the end of Desperado? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you do very well at, at digesting the information that you're seeing and you're able to to articulate about it. And I think that that's great. Well, thank you. So um, I actually put you down on my list, too, because uh, whenever I need to ask a question, whether it be about nerd culture, um, music or even life, you just uh, y- you have a knack of finding the answer pretty quickly. Um, and I see that you can carry that over to business, too. So it's like I remember you telling me stories about like at Staples and stuff when you'd crush, you know, um, <clears throat> presentations or even at work right now, you'd crush presentations. And and like that, that I don't doubt any of that because I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's like your character. And so <clears throat> I can see Lester Bangs in you. Lester Bangs is you. But you're welcome. I have another buddy named Eric and he's uh, he's really savvy with with history and with with politics. So uh, the captious, you know, 2020 election, he just I would have conversations with him and he just spoke with in, in a manner where you had the utmost confidence for, you know, for what he was saying. And you're like, this guy is not wrong. And uh, so I really admired that. And then my buddy, Mark, he is a filmmaker down in, in Los Angeles. Uh, he 
is that same type of guy and, and uh, someone who really got me into film appreciation, but he's the same type of guy that can look beyond a movie on a surface level in a, in a more analytical sense and kind of give you a different perspective on things. Uh, but he, he, yeah, very intelligent guy. The one thing I will say is I remember he was, he was pitching alien covenant to me once. <laughs> and so, so I kind of had to take a step back on that one a little bit. Cause you, I know that that's your favorite movie, you know? So. Yeah. It's like, are you sure you want to have this conversation right now, Mark? <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, this movie fucking sucks and you're going to lose all credibility. Yeah. If you tell me one more second about this movie, it's super easy, barely an yeah, inconvenience. Barely. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That movie's terrible. It is pretty bad. So they're going to go in with no masks into the into the uh, the face hugger area. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, so, so then to follow up on that, um, I think Penny Lane is also one of my favorite characters in this one. Have you ever met someone like Penny Lane? Maybe not exactly, you know, to a T, but someone who is a free thinker who is maybe lying, but not lying, but is just an infectious person that can captivate a room when they, when they walk in. And yeah. Have you ever met uh, someone like that? Sort of. Uh, I, I don't necessarily equate them to like her characteristics, but rather someone that uh, you, so yes, I have a penny lane in my life or at least had one. And uh, it was more of in the sense of, I am like will to where, we could we connected on a level but it ended there does that make sense like yeah. we we're always in the same place at the same time like the universe told us that we needed to be together but neither one of us ever did anything with it that yeah. is my penny lane there you go penny lane is in my head um i had a i went on a date a long 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 time ago when i can still remember um this gal was such a warm person and such a, she had such an open heart. Um, it was a weird time in my life and she really just kind of showed me the world basically and, and showed that it's, it's okay and had this incredible positivity to her. Uh, so it was, it was very, very uplifting and we, we dated for a hot minute, but, um, she ended up moving, but, but I, I will always remember her and, uh, very, very similar to Penny Lane in the sense of, just living in the moment and, and understanding and having ideas of, of grandeur almost. But you know, it's, um, it was really, really great. So I, I missed that gal. Sure. Um, yeah, moving on. So William gets his job with Rolling Stone under the guise of him being a much older adult with years of journalism experience under his belt. Despite Rolling Stone finding out about his age, his writing talent shines through in the end. Have you ever been maybe dishonest about your age to uh, to procure things? Or how about your job qualifications on a application? Uh, not exactly. Um, honesty is the best policy. But I will say that as I got older, I took off the year that I graduated from college on my resume because of just uh, biases and ageism, as it were. Uh, it just made more sense uh, since so many people are more keen on hiring younger folks for jobs. Um, and so my job history would end within, you know, seven to 10 years and then depending on the job and the experience required. Um, and I just dropped off the year that I graduated college just oh, so it didn't sense. say, Oh yeah, fuck this guy's almost 40 years old or whatever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> while it's not dishonest per se, 
it's more of a strategy because then they could just meet me and then go from there. They're not looking at a number and then all of a sudden dating me and thinking, wow, this guy probably doesn't even know how to use a computer, bro. <laughs> I invented the computer, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, I think so for me, I, the only thing I really do on applications is maybe a little creative writing in terms of qualifications. I put like graffiti stuff, vandalized stuff, steel stuff, <laughs> brick stuff. <laughs> brick <Burn> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I add things like I'll say Microsoft Office proficient, customer service uh, engagement specialist and, and things like that, you know, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, buzzwords. It's or like, yeah, like Daryl, uh, single handedly processed you know, a billion units of inventory or whatever. <laughs> yeah. What are these billion units paper of inventory? Material. <laughs> paper material. Piece of paper, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because, I mean, companies will look at that too. <clears throat> and, and, and most companies, I mean, the past three jobs that I've had were basically from LinkedIn. So you can definitely do that on there. Um, I mean, obviously you don't lie about your age, but the only thing I've actually maybe fibbed on my age for was when I, uh, after I graduated college in 2010, I kept my student ID and I still have it to this day. So what is it now? 11 years later, um, and I use it for student discounts still. <laughs> it uh, it works. I mean, you know, I go, I go to like a museum and they're like, oh, it's only five bucks with student ID. And I'm like, does this work? They're like, yeah, that works. <laughs> so like, it's, I'm a student of film. I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm a student of life. But I, when I bought my MacBook, I went down to Portland and I, I showed it because they had a, a deal where you save like 500 bucks if you're a student and you got a free pair of Beats headphones. Oh, so sure. they were like, you know, they said, um, they're like, do you have a student ID? And I'm like, yeah, does this work? And she's like, eh, good enough. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> save me some money. I'm not really Ooh. lying necessarily. I was a student at a certain point. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. Um, okay. So I will get to the, to the, the nuts and bolts of this discussion. Uh, you know, I've Justin, I've loved this movie for so long. Um, and it's, it's interesting though, because it's hard to talk about your favorites sometimes. I mean, you and I had this conversation about Jaws where it's like, it's, it's hard for you to describe why you like it so much. And for me, I have felt the same kind of way for this film until I watched it last night. Um, so I kind of have an answer, but uh, what do you think this movie is about? What do you think the main message is? Whew. Uh, yeah, so I, I'd say it's a coming of age movie. You know, this world is pretty crazy and it's important to discover and discuss new ideas and experiences. You know, just just remember to be true to yourself. Uh, it's easy to get lost in all the crazy, but that's what friends and family are for. You know, they can help you calibrate and reel the crazy back into a safe zone. Uh, you know, rock out with your veggie patties out. You know, <laughs> that old chestnut. Mm. You know, but like, like. Really, though, like my favorite line is when Anita is leaving to be a flight attendant and she bends down, looks William right in the eyes. And she's like, you know, one day you'll be cool. And that's a powerful line. Like what kid doesn't want to be cool? For years, I would end conversations with be cool. You know, it's just a reminder to to folks not to be a dick. Like, enjoy yourself. Don't don't fuck it up for everyone else. Just be cool. You know, you're a rock star. Look how great you look in those glasses. Be cool. You know, help people when you have a chance. Be cool. Fucking yeah. Be cool, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> be cool, honey bunny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, that's just that's just the way it works. Like, you know, are you familiar with the song Keep on Rockin' in the Free World by Neil Young? Keep on rockin' in the free world. That one? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in like the second verse, he says, I see a woman in the night with a baby in her hand. There's an old street light near a garbage can. Uh, now she puts the kid away and she's going to get a hit. She hates her life and what she's done to it. 
there's one more kid that'll never go to school, never get to fall in love, never get to be cool. That's it. That's the line. Never oh get God. to fall in love, <laughs> never get to be cool. And that goes back to what you asked me what this movie's about. About growing up, falling in love, and being cool. Almost famous. Absolutely. So, and I, I completely agree with you on that. And I, whenever I tell people what it is, I'm like, yeah, it's a coming of age movie. I mean, William has already been kind of fast forwarded through his life where he skipped two grades. So he's already an outcast and, you know, this pariah to his school. Uh, it's smarter than everyone pretty much, but he has a love for, for rock and roll music, but his mom doesn't want him to do that. She wants him to be a lawyer. And all he wants to do is, is focus on rock. Um, and be cool. I mean, Lester Bangs says he's like, you're, I, I've met you. You're not cool. So, right. <laughs> you know, but neither is Lester Bangs. And I guess the, the, you, you nailed it. Coolness and, and reality are, are the, the main themes that I'm finding from this, like image versus perception or what is real versus what is cool. So coolness is always that it's, a, it's desired, um, by pretty much anybody, right? We all want to be cool where authenticity sometimes seems undesirable. Now, I, I believe that you should always be true to who you are, but in the social media world we live in, sometimes, you know, it's hard to really truly be yourself. Um, we're, we're so obsessed with, with the idea of being cool. And I look at Instagram, right? I absolutely love Instagram because I think it's a very, very valuable tool when it can be. But unfortunately, it can also be very harmful. And we've had this discussion ad nauseum. But when people are posting pictures like, oh, bikini season, and it's a clearly doctored photo with somebody at the right angle who gets 30,000 likes or whatever, people are going to see that and think, oh, that's how I need to look cool. That's what I need to do. And I'm never going to attain that. Um, so that's where it can become an issue. And with these rock stars, Russell's asking William to, to, to only write good things about them. Um, and keep all the other stuff out because they have wives and girlfriends back home. And so basically only tell bits of the story. Uh, so I, I don't think that what I'm trying to say is they definitely want to be cool as, as much as they can, but they aren't being real. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think it's fascinating that just that whole concept. Penny Lane herself is not even necessarily real. She talks about Morocco all the time. And William's like, wake up, Penny. There is no Morocco because all you're doing is, is, is living in this fantasy world. Everyone else is, is the same kind of way. Like, you know, it comes to that culmination point on the plane when William says, you guys always talk about the fans. Like, you're here for the fans. You're not here for the money. But why do you think you're, you're doing this? It's for the money. Like, don't bullshit a bullshitter, basically. It's for the money, right? So um, did you, this scene might not have been in your version, but there is a scene towards the very end of the movie when Jimmy Fallon, um, he explains mystique to the band after they say they denied the story to Rolling Stone. Did you see that part at all? When they did what? I'm sorry. So, so after they denied the story, like Jeff comes out and he's like, he's all complaining about William's story. He's like, this is crazy, man. You know, I'm going to sound, I'm here for the chicks and the money or whatever. He's like, I'm going to sound like an asshole. And yeah, then, that was in there. Yeah, but then right after that, when Jimmy Fallon, he's like, hey, I'm going to head to L.A., um, call me if you need me. He goes, I'm going to leave you with this one message. And he explains mystique and uses the lighter to show them. Did, no, I don't think you, I remember that. No. So what he, so what he does, he holds a lighter in one hand, open palm, and then he closes his other hand and he says, which one do you want? Which one do you choose? As long as you can't see what's in this hand and he 
uses his closed fist. He goes, you'll always want it more. And I t- that told he nailed it with that line because I was like, holy shit, because there was nothing in his hand. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the appeal of all these bands. That's why people Penny Lane says he's like Russell. Or I'm sorry, not Russell. William says, do you have any uh, real friends? She goes, no, famous people are just more interesting. So I, I completely agree with you. I think coolness and, and perception versus reality is, is is definitely on there. So it's uh, it's really good. Did that kind of make sense? I'm sorry if I rambled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Cool. So then, um, you know, to <clears throat> gosh, frog in my throat. Uh, to follow up on that, how important are the people that we meet through our lives in shaping who we are today? And then, like, do you have any personal examples of people that we meet in our lives? Um, yeah, yeah. So, sure. I, I mean, I think it's super important. Like. Like sometimes we meet someone for just a few minutes, you know, like maybe on a bus or a train or something or, or some few hours. Others are for like the summer or maybe even a few years at the work job. But, um, you know, they can have a profound effect on you. Like like Bobby and Kelsey, perfect examples. You know, they were my work wives. You know, we shared everything with each other. We spent 60 hours a week like, working together. And that's not even counting like fucking happy hours and shit. So it just <laughs> makes it pretty easy. But, you know, there are also mentors out there, too. You know, like maybe you had a manager or a teacher that just had this crazy different outlook on life. And if you were lucky, you were able to just take a piece of their wisdom with you. Um, you know, just every once in a while you come across someone like, oh, yeah, man, my fifth grade teacher was just the coolest person ever. And this is what they did. And that might be your only memory that you have from that age was just how cool your teacher was, you know. So um, and then maybe they just inspired you to do something different. You know, like Randy Humphreys, I've talked about him before on the show. He was, uh, he was the vice president of Autoland when I was selling cars and he would walk so goddamn fast, Zach. Like I'd practically be running <laughs> to keep up with him. And and this is something that I picked up from him, you know, cause it's great in the retail world. Like where a bunch of kids are just fucking lollygagging and, and just walking all slow. And then they see me and then they pick up the pace. You know, this kid, Ian, he was a cart attendant and he would complain to me that he, he wouldn't, couldn't get anything done because target guests would always stop him. And I was like, do you know why? He's like, you know, I don't know. And of course he didn't, right? So, yes, but I don't know. And, uh, and so I told him, I'm like, it's because you walk slow as fuck, dude. Like, any any slower and people would think you were asleep on the job. So, like, walk fast. Walk with purpose. You know, I guarantee you, if you do, then the first person that stops you is going to apologize for interrupting you because they know that they're stopping you from going where you want to go. And And then after that, the kid just fucking moved like lightning from then on out. And then he was promoted to team leader because he was doing such a bang up job because he was able to get his job done just because he had to fucking walk fast. And he can thank not me, <laughs> but Randy Humphreys for that. <laughs> True yeah, that's story. Really great. No, I, I agree. And and, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I'm a fast walker, but I owe that a lot to my retail experience because you're right. You, you got to get shit done, man. This ain't island time. We're not we're not yeah. on an island in the sun there. But uh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like an Irish. Uh, what does he say? I can't remember. Does everybody sound like a, say like a leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the same way. People that I've read, met in the in the retail world or, or different jobs have definitely given me insights. Uh, I mean, I, I've had bosses, you know, who are like control what you can control, and I think that those five words are so important because it's just saying things aren't always going to go your way. You just got to you got to roll with the punches, baby, and. Uh, don't get discouraged if, if it's out of your control. Just try your best to to be the best, you know, be a Rocky four. That's all you do. Yeah. Quest for peace. There you go. <laughs> Easy peasy. Ah, yes. Moving on. <laughs> We're going to need those leads. Do we have those leads yet? 
So, uh, all right. Toffees well, are closers. Yeah. The leads are weak. Fuck you. The leads are weak. You're weak. <laughs> so Frances McDormand, love her. She seems to be a perfect casting choice for Elaine Miller. She's very real. She's down to earth. She's intelligent. She's strong and she's overprotective. Helicopter parent. McDormand nails every scene that she is in. With her three Best Acting Oscar awards in her roles in Fargo, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and No Bad Land, can she do no wrong? Question mark. Is it time to dub her as one of the greatest actors of our time? Uh, I, yeah, I think she's fantastic. I, I like everything that she ever does. I think she is amazing. I agree. And you've seen like Burn After Reading and and such, so. Did you like hearing yeah, that? She's fun. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great, dude. She's Love a, the Frances McDormand. She's great. She's married to, I believe, Ethan Cohen. Uh, and I think it's just such a cool power couple. It might be Joel, but either either one of them. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, that makes sense why she's in the the Cohen Brothers films, but she is we had a, a question a few podcasts ago of any any actor that you would see that you you would you would see their movie no matter what and and francis is easily on that list for me i i absolutely adore her and she'll, she'll always be margie for me um yeah. it's just yeah it's too hard to beat but so you um, went ahead and married norm son of a gunderson <laughs> she's oh, a you're super too, lady <laughs> you're, you're too good to me you're too good to me norm <laughs> yeah ah norm yeah she's great love her yeah. uh, now i'm curious who she really is married to uh, i think it's joel or ethan cohen i think i don't know there's only two you have a 50 50 chance <laughs> 50 50 she is married to joel yeah oh shit i messed up i think you said ethan first <laughs> <laughs> i said both at one point so i'm sure. kind of i mean everybody can just change their answer but whatever but uh i mean yeah i, I would if i could just see nothing but if joel cohen and ethan cohen only made movies from here on out that had Francis McDormand in some facet of it, then I would be a very, very happy man because I think she is absolutely incredible. So mm -hmm. I even and, like her in um, Mrs. Pettigrew Liz for a day. I think that's such a charming movie. I didn't see that one. It's fun. Yeah. She's in Transformers. She plays a, she is, a she's kind of mean in that though. Yeah. I know. She's right? a bit of a bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, she plays, she does such a really good job of, you know, in this film, like that scene when she scolds Russell, basically, she goes, if he so much as harm a hair on his head, she goes, you're going to meet the other end of this voice. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> He's yeah. just like, no, she's great. Yes, ma'am. She does such a fantastic job of giving that scary mother vibe. Um, but I absolutely loved it. And actually her character was based off of Cameron Crowe's real life mom. And so one day she came to the set and he was trying to not have them meet because he didn't want her to get upset that, you know, <laughs> oh, this is how you you saw me. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I swear to God, I'm a slit his fucking throat. <laughs> like, right. That kind of thing. <laughs> so she's not, a, she's not a terrible mother at all. So, like, I think it's important mm -hmm. to note that she's not, like, all about, like, going to, you know, the, like a Bible thumping son of a bitch kind of a mom. She's exactly she when 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 they have the falling out at the beginning where where Zoe Deschanel's like feck or whatever. And, and yeah, she's like, oh you. my gosh, she said, yeah, she said the F word. She's like, he's like, I think she said feck. She's like, what's the difference? He's like, <laughs> you. <"Hey>, you. <laughs> and she like kind of looks and laughs. Like she's kind of proud of him for being like a smart ass, you know? Yeah. And so I can appreciate that. Like, she just wants what's best for her kids because she only has, in her mind, she has 18 years with her kids. Once they hit 18, they move out and they're done. They're no longer, you know, her pups or her cubs. You know, they're gone. And so 
she wanted to protect her kids as best she could for 18 years. And I can respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And she's, uh, you know, even even when they had the moment at the end with her and Anita and she wants to hug her and then <laughs> William kind of pushes her forward and then she just hugs her. And yeah, she loves her kids. She just misses them. You know, rock stars have kidnapped my son. <laughs> right. I mean, there's something to be said about when you shelter a child too much, then then they go out into the wild. They're going to just fucking go crazy and do like 18 lines of cocaine or something. And um, <laughs> that can happen. You know, I mean, how many times when you went to college did you meet a freshman that just couldn't make it because it was such a culture shock to them? And yeah. I think part of that just plays on the role of the parents, because I think there's a lot of preparation in school. Every grade, you're getting prepped for the next one. You know, like, oh, well, is going to prep you for next year? This is going to prep you for next year? And that's great for schoolwork. But who is there to teach you about life and the, the, the cruel, harsh mistress that is life <laughs> until you're out there? You know what I mean? So, I mean, you're 18 years old. You go off to college or maybe you move out. You move in with a boyfriend or girlfriend or something. Uh, you're going to that's when you really learn because you're on your own. And if if someone didn't just pass on a few words of wisdom to you, uh, <laughs> it could be a real struggle bless. And I think by the time you're 22, 23, you have seen a lot of the crazy that the world has to throw at you. And, you know, you can if you were able to have a conversation with your 18 year old self, you could give them the rundown and you, and you would have made different choices in those four years. Absolutely. And I think about this too, like in high school, I was doing running start my junior year. Um, or I think it was my senior year. I got, you know, I got bored of it and it was more because I was like, well, I'm missing out on high school. I'm missing out on that experience. And I go back and forth as I've gotten older. I'm like, man, I wish I would have done running start. Um, <clears throat> excuse me for anybody who doesn't know what running start is. It, it's basically just a free community college, uh, except you're in high school. So you get to go to the community college and take college classes and get credits. So hypothetically, if you do it, you can graduate with an AA from community college and your high school diploma from your high school. The downside is you're not in school and at your, gosh, you are not at your high school for very long. Uh, you spend the majority of your time at community college. So anybody that we had in running start come graduation, we're like, who's this guy? You know, um, it's like the guy in Half Baked, the guy that just uh, sleeps on the couch the entire time. But um, we, I, I go back and forth with that, and I think, oh, it would be so nice to be able to do that. But I would have missed out on on being cool. Um, I wasn't the most popular kid in school, but I mean, I did have a lot of fun and I enjoyed moments, and I got good grades, so I wasn't a fuck up. But I'm glad that I had the life experience because, unlike William, who is almost sheltered at times. Um, you know, he's, he's too young to drive or fuck is what the billboard says. So it's, I think it's important to have a healthy balance of both, but yes, you are absolutely right. She is a very good mother. She just wants the best for both her children. Don't take drugs. Right. Don't take drugs. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed. Like, uh, uh, please no. But yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a kid. He's 15 years old. Uh, that's, uh. Looking at wicked city women all painted up. <laughs> wicked he's, city. Uh, he's, he's, he's being tested. Yeah. When they deflower him. Pretty mm -hmm. awesome. So. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, I, I would have been green with jealousy if that were me. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree.
So, uh, okay, well, moving on. One of my favorite parts of the movie is just how incredibly detailed and realistic the concerts feel. The energy, crowd, and passion involved really make me miss seeing live music pre-pandemic. What is the greatest concert that Justin Cavender has ever been to and why? Oh, man, I have two. Uh, Depeche Mode, for one. I've seen them a couple times, but always amazing. And uh, just a magical experience. Love every second of it. Dave Gahan, when he's up on stage and just rocking the mic stand and getting the whole crowd going, there's nothing like it. It's so fucking cool. The guy's charisma on stage is second to none. And uh, I would encourage everyone to check out Depeche Mode when you get a chance. Um, two would probably be Metallica. Uh, I saw them a couple years back with Dave Edmondson, and uh, we were about 15 feet away from the stage, and it just fucking melted our faces, man. It was so <laughs> goddamn cool. Like you, I just, I had heart palpitations. It was so intense, <laughs> and it was fucking awesome. I can't, I can't describe it. But you remember that old commercial where there's a guy sitting in like the chair and then they turn on the speakers and it's just (laughs) his face is like contorting and the sound waves are just making weird skin bubbles and stuff. Yeah, (laughs) that's basically what it was like. But it was the coolest goddamn thing ever because you could understand every word that they were saying, but you were just just rocking out on a spiritual level. Like I was literally in another plane of existence because the music blew me into oblivion. It was fucking nuts. Dude, I would love to see Metallica. And I was really bummed because it's probably going to be it's going to be a, a hassle for them to probably travel again. I don't I don't know when they're going to tour again. Um, you know, they haven't done it in like a decade, but I was in college and I had an opportunity to see them in Seattle. And for some reason, I didn't go. But I am a huge Metallica fan. Uh, I was hearing about it on the radio and people were like, dude, it was like one of the coolest concerts I've ever been to in my life. So I was yeah. really upset. <laughs> they went back in 2017. Did uh, they? Yeah. They, play, they played at the, the stadium. Uh, what stadium? Mariners Stadium. No. T-Mobile? Yeah. Really? I saw that. Yeah. I, I, Zach, I bought two tickets. Oh, my total shit. was $930. <gasps> Holy shit. I, I can tell you right now that they played in Seattle in 2017. Oh, my God. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So a uh, kid that I worked with at uh, Target, his name was, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm not going to say his name, but um, he was amazing. And he. Not, not, not going to work here anymore. Well, no, no. I, I just, he would be embarrassed <laughs> no, I if I no, said I his know. name. So, no, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, he was a fantastic human being. And he just taught me how to be an amazing Target employee. You know, like it's one of those things where there's a culture that exists in target and he taught me how to not only be that be a part of that culture but also to stretch it and to get away with stuff and to sort of reinvent the wheel and just challenge things like target's all about challenging until you challenge the wrong goddamn person then you fucking lose your job but uh, (laughs) it's all about challenging just like the status quo like yeah we normally do this but let's fucking try this and see how it goes and uh, you know you hear the term like fail fast which i still use to this day Uh, target's big on that but anyway so he was a fine young man, and he taught me uh, a lot about being a leader at Target. And Metallica was his favorite band of all time, and he skipped out on an opportunity to see them, and he regretted it for his entire life. And so as a thank you, I got two tickets, one for me, one for him, and we went and saw Metallica together, and it was fucking awesome. Did your face melt off again? Do you even it have did. a face anymore, Justin? It, it didn't. You know what's funny is when I saw them... Uh, the first time it was at BlizzCon and it was free. I didn't have to pay for my ticket. And then this time I fucking re- regressing back to my means, I guess <laughs> I ended up having to pay $930 to go see them 
but we had oh awesome seats. I mean, it was just going to be his one and only time of seeing them. So I wanted to, I wanted yeah. to go all out, you know, and, um, and he loved it. I loved it. It was fucking awesome. So, um, there you have it. Well, right on, man. Well, maybe that's why I didn't see them in 2017 because I ain't got no $930. Well, I I mean, I got like early bird tickets because I wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure I got them. And I I wanted really good seats because, I mean, it's cool if you're there and it's a nosebleed and all. But if you want to experience it, you need to be in the thick of things. And so that's what I went for. I agree, man. That would be incredible. So for me... My very first concert ever was Jack Johnson at the Gorge in George, Washington, which is an area out here. It's beautiful, beautiful venue. GW. Yeah, the GW. <laughs> so I uh, really, really liked that a lot. That was a fantastic concert experience because you always remember your first. And then the greatest concert I had ever been to. I've seen the Foo Fighters three times. They're my all time favorite band. I've seen them three times live. Uh, but this juncture, um, I got to see them. A couple days after Thanksgiving, they played a very quickly announced, I don't want to say private show, but very um, exclusive show that my buddy Travis was able to snag tickets for. And it was a two two ticket limit per person. So it was myself and him. We I mean, I stood outside for, I think, like six hours for the show show to open. Then I stood an additional two hours inside, about six feet away from the stage. So we're talking eight hours on my feet, uh, just talking to people and not doing shit. And then they finally played and Justin, they played a three hour set and I was like six to eight feet away from the stage the entire time. Um, yeah, it was great. It was incredible. Dave, Dave Grohl came out and, you know, after hour like two, he's like, what else should we play? And I was like, play ever long. And he told me to shut the fuck up. And I was like, yeah, spin on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. Uh, but it was absolutely incredible. Um, I almost I had to finally pull away at the the final like. 30 minutes and go to the bar to get water because I was just dehydrated. And then sure as shit, the very last song they play is Everlong. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> so I was really upset. But uh, incredible experience that will never get topped. I think there were maybe 5,000 people in there. Um, let me look really quick how much Showbox Soto holds. Jesus. So Showbox at the market capacity is about 1,150 people. So let's just call it 11, 1,100 people were in this concert. And I mean, that is not a lot for for a mega rock band like the Foo Fighters. Um, so it was it was quite a remarkable experience that I don't think will ever be topped unless I went on stage and like sang with them. So, <laughs> yeah, You're like yeah. throwing your underwear and then he wipes his sweat and then throws it back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So for all intents and purposes. Oh, oh wait, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, in 1998, I saw uh, Kid Rock, Stained, and P.O.D. at the Roxy <laughs> in fucking Los Angeles. It's just a club, you know, holds 500 people. Yeah. And I mean, I, we were around the stage, and this is before Kid Rock's like, I mean, obviously Donald Trump isn't a thing at the time, right? And he's yeah. he's rapping about blunts, 40s, and bitches and stuff like uh, <laughs> like Trey. And so, so get uh, in the pit and try to love someone. Exactly. And so. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, he plays every fucking instrument. His band is Twisted Bound Trucker, and they were fucking awesome. And uh, I heard, yeah. that was a, that was a thing. We were we were pressed up against the stage because everyone's whenever there's a mosh pit, right? There's there's a ring and we were on the ring side that was touching the stage and people behind me are beating the shit out of each other. But uh, <laughs> it didn't have an impact on my experience. But it was so cool because it was all black. 
and uh, all of a sudden the spotlight just pops up on his face from underneath like when you're telling a ghost story at the at the, <laughs> at the campfire like, you know the pizza delivery guy from the beginning of the story and so all of a sudden he just pops up i'm like oh shit and then you know it's opening up with like um, you know my name is rock and everything is so fucking cool and i mean as much as i can't stand who the man has become uh go back 23 years and it was pretty fucking awesome as an 18 year old punk ass kid in a club right next to him it was a it was a showstopper man he was he was awesome not gonna lie and stained was fucking great and then pod you know, they're from san diego so it was cool to yeah. kind of have like a local band um but yeah it was awesome here comes if you're into the, the, if you're into the if you're into the christian rock you know, <laughs> i brought my bible for you to sign it's great it's embossed with I- jay money on the front I actually have uh, Boom on one of my uh, workout playlists because POD actually crushed it. I used to, I think they hit it pretty hard back in the DZ. So mm-hmm. that's they, funny. They sent out a they sent an email to the fan club about being in the video for Southtown. You're like, you're in the Southtown. You know that kid don't play. And uh, my buddy Doug Doug E he uh, he was on the mailing list. He's like, dude, let's go to San Diego. Could be in this music video, but I couldn't because I had a fucking <laughs> test. I was in college. I was like, fuck, I can't. I got to take this test. And we wouldn't make it in time. So <laughs> if it was just a regular class, sure, I would have skipped it. But I can't miss yeah. a test. So. Well, uh, well, we're going to San Diego next weekend. So maybe yeah, we can we'll, uh, get, get in another get POD up. video. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? You want to party? I want to party with you. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna drink some communal wine. So there you go. <laughs> amazing. I dig it, man. I had Devil Without a Cause was like one of my first albums I owned. That the Marshall Mather. I'm sorry, the Eminem Show and Brian Setzer Orchestra sure. or whatever. <laughs> so, so Devil Without a Cause was that was all the songs that he was mostly singing. Uh, aside from his older stuff that people you know that were in the know would, mm-hmm. would be able to appreciate. Like you know, my name is Rock. That's a good one. That's where he literally goes around and plays all the instruments. It's fucking badass. Yeah, but I mean, this ain't the Kid Rock podcast. I mean, <laughs> but it was could, a really cool experience. I'm not gonna we, lie. We could make it. Yeah. It would be like one episode long, <laughs> right? <laughs> only deep cuts. No, no oh new shit. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said deep tracks only. Deep oh. tracks only. I said, I said no hits. <laughs> that is one. Okay, so real quick, Dave Matthews Band. I can't get into. I, Same. I so many, Same. so many of my friends just, just fucking drink the matthews kool-aid and i just i can't <laughs> i can't do it i don't like any of his songs as as a lover of music i am just not into it at all can't do it yeah I, i'm the same way i think there's like one or two songs that i enjoy but i i can't get behind it it's but i mean you could say the same thing about jack johnson a lot of people are like oh, i don't really like jack johnson i can't get into him because he's so mellow and i'm like yeah i mean I grew up listening to him and I thought he was awesome. It was a big high school thing for me, but uh, Johnson. Yeah. He seems so, like the curious George. Yes. That is oh, what he's most famous. It's, it's not, it's not what he's most famous for, but yes, that's what he, that's what he's saying. So. He's like the monkey man. I like it. Yeah. He's great. He's very great. So, um, but yeah, anyhow, uh, are you ready to move on? Yeah, I, I am ready. I'm sorry. I love. No, you you don't need to apologize at all. That was a good conversation. I love concerts and I love that you love music and I know you like music because you like to sing a lot. So we'll do. Yeah. 
So for all intents and purposes, Russell was a central character in the movie. The issue I have is that I think Russell is he's a fat fucking bitch. He is a piece of (laughs) shit. He talks about wanting to be real, but constantly tries to lie to himself and others around him. He dodges Williams interviews. He cheats on his girlfriend. He treats Penny like an object. He thinks he's better than his (laughs) bandmates. And he constantly discusses wanting to be quote unquote real. What are your thoughts on Russell? Is he actually just a piece of crap or does he redeem himself at the end? Oh, man. Okay, so I would I would say that up until the very end of the movie, he is the worst. You know, um, all those things that you said, you know, he's a fucking poser, a fucking batch. And, um, you know, how are you going to call yourself a rock star and not even be true to yourself? You know, that's what rock is. You know, sure, it's heavy beats and fucking guitar riffs and they'll melt your face like Metallica. But (laughs) underneath all of that, it's about, you know, connecting on a spiritual level and deep down to your very heart and soul. And that's the greatest thing about art. And and in this case, rock and roll, you know, it's 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 about expressing who you are, connecting with countless people through the power of music and people identify with your words, your struggles and concepts while getting lost at the same time. And and that's what rock and roll is, man. Like it's it's it, it doesn't it's like this fuck just doesn't seem to understand that on a fundamental level. And eventually he gets it, but it's not until he's pretty much pushed everyone away. So in true Hollywood fashion, uh, you know, in the closing five seconds of the sitcom where the music starts and they have the heart to heart and, you know, you know why I'm grounding you, right? You know, like this, that weird conversation that has to be had. But um, I, I, I'm curious if that was a conversation that Cameron Crowe really had, or if, that was the Hollywood ending. Like, did, did he leave this this tour wishing that, you know, I didn't meet my hero? Right. You know, I'm yeah. curious. And I, I mean, I don't I, I liked the Eagles. My dad was a huge Eagles fan, but I didn't know who Glenn Fry was until uh, maybe like 10 years ago. And then he, he passed away, uh, I think, last year or 2019. But <clears throat> I'm sure that Cameron Crowe, it's out there somewhere that maybe he, he did get redemption. Um because, you know, it's semi-autobiographical. I am listening to a podcast called Origins, and they do a five-part breakdown of this movie. It came out last year um, as like a 20th anniversary thing. And there are interviews with Cameron Crowe, so maybe he does discuss that. So I will, you know, let you know after I'm done listening to those like a week from now. But uh, that would be that would be interesting because you, you you do want, like as a, as a movie fan, as someone who, who wants a happy ending, you want to see that redemption arc and you want to see it all tied up in a neat bow because it's such a such a fantastic story and it, it needs to end in a happy way. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, he also wrote The Heat Is On, by the way, <laughs> or he sang it from Beverly the Hills Cop. Since, since we have to talk about Beverly Hills Cop in every episode. <laughs> Do the okie dokie shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, fuck him. He, he doesn't get it. Like, he's a total poser. Like, that's what rock is, man. Rock and roll is probably the greatest goddamn thing on the whole fucking planet. And I, I love it more than anything. And that's, that's coming from someone that, that loves all forms of music minus country. Um, but (laughs) I just can't do it. Can't do it. Can't, 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 can't wrap my head around country. It's not my jam, but, uh, fucking rock and roll, man. Like it is just going to, in, in true Bill and Ted's, uh, spirit it is going to save the fucking universe i absolutely love rock and roll <laughs> wild stallions <laughs> exactly well it could be know, on a goddamn didgeridoo for all i care about <laughs> <laughs> and 
and some, I'll fucking love it. So. Some bagpipes. <laughs> Dude, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Oh, one yeah. Of, one of go. the great, I mean, we talk about what the, the best thing is of all time. That fucking song just sums up life yep. on, on a whole nother level. Like, it, it's it's not necessarily about rock and roll per se when you just break down the lyrics like yeah sure it's a long way to top if you want to rock and roll but that goes for fucking everything it goes for the job that you have now it goes for the job that you want it goes for growing up you know you're gonna get your ass kicked you're gonna lose your job you're gonna lose all your money you're gonna lose your best friends you're gonna lose your loved ones it's it's that's what life is man and it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and i think it was a perfect ending for school of rock i think you know ACDC had such an influence on Jack Black and it was really, really well done and a great send off for that movie. But I agree with you. Love it so much. But yeah, the bagpipes. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It gets loud, the bagpipes. In oh, that my song. God. I know <laughs> when I have headphones in, I'm like, because that, that also is on one of my workout playlists. And I'm like, I love it, but <laughs> it is loud. Yeah. So. Oh, man, that's that yeah. that that is connecting with me like 100 percent. It's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, that goes for everything. That is that yeah. is life in a nutshell. And I hate saying in a nutshell, <laughs> but that is 100 percent true. In a cashew, cashews don't come in shells. Never mind. I'm an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> so the, the the thing the thing too that I wanted to point out with with Russell is, you know, he just can't face reality. And and the moment that he has so many moments in this film when he can be real, when he can be authentic. But even when he's you know talking to William, he's like, hey, we'll do the interview later. We'll do the interview later. We'll do the interview later. And he says, you know, just make us look cool. You can't uh, post all these stories, blah, 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 blah. And Penny Lane even drank the Kool-Aid. She said, well, you don't know the things he says to me in private. It's like, why can't he say those in public, though? He can't be a real person. And so when they go to the party after they have their argument about the, the Stillwater T-shirt, he's like, hey, man, I know we're just some local uh, Topeka people, but you want to come to a real party with some real people? And he gets excited and he goes in there to be quote unquote real, but he starts spewing all this bullshit about like <laughs> this wall is real. Aaron, you're real. And all this dumb shit. And in 11 years, man, it's going to be 1984. Think about that. <laughs> so Yeah. Think about um, that. Yeah. He, it, the scene, culm- you know, it culminates with him on the top of the roof saying, I am a golden God. I mean, how unrealistic can you be and how superficial can you be? He can't face his reality. He is just caught up in this life, just like everyone else. So everything he says is disingenuous and and he's a piece of shit. I've never really liked him. I mean, I, I like the performance really Credup gives, but I just have never really liked him. I've always been unimpressed and I've always been upset with how he hurt Penny Lane. But, you know, I guess she was getting into it, too. But still, he was he was a dick about it. So. Mm hmm. But yeah, the um, so the behind the scenes life of fictional bands of, of this fictional band, Stillwater, is made for entertainment. Although if you read any rock star biography, you will see instances of truth in what uh, in what Crow kind of directed. Does it bum you out to know that so many of our favorite artists, actors, filmmakers, athletes are like this to a point behind the scenes? Uh, sometimes, uh, I mean, I really can appreciate the, the, the mantra of don't meet your heroes <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you have no idea where they just came from. Maybe they've been doing interviews all goddamn day, or maybe they've, uh, you know, some of them might be private and something horrible has happened and, uh, they are still dealing with it. And then you're, they're going to project on you. Right. So I would hate for someone that you've looked up to forever. And all of a sudden you have a bad experience. That would suck. 
And so, and I get it at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have our bad days. We all have these, these moments where maybe we said something we shouldn't have. That's just, that's just part of life. And uh, when you're a celebrity or you're a rock star, then people are always watching and you're going to have those moments. But I mean, I think there's a, there's a big difference between someone having a bad day. And then you see fucking video footage of, of, of justice beaver standing in a fucking hotel (laughs) spitting down at people. It's like, dude, come on fucking asshole. I hate that guy. And so, (laughs) you know, there's a difference between, you know, someone that's having a bad day and then someone's just a fuck, you know what I mean? So like, um, I do think that there's something to be said about, uh, we are all human and we have our good days and our bad days, but I try really hard not to, to read about people's personal lives and, and, because it's only going to be snippets of information, right? So, like, when you have these tabloids or, like, TMZ that shows some actor, like, yell at this photographer or punch him, uh, they're saying, these photographers are saying horrible things to these people. These paparazzi right. are taking pictures. They're like, they're like, yo, I fucked your mom last night. And, you know, <laughs> I left my watch at her house. You know, can you go get it for me? You know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> they say dumb shit to get, like, a rise out of them, to get those candid photos where they look mean or terrible or they're screaming at them. And so uh, it's hard for me to really believe what is is shown. You know, we're only given a, a small sample of the of the story. And so I try my hardest to believe the best in people. Um, but like, you know, I mentioned Depeche Mode. It's my favorite band ever. I, I don't want to meet them because I'm afraid that I'm going to not like them when it's over. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Like, I'm yeah. just too scared. I'm just like, fuck, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to immortalize you in my brain. And that's all there is to it. Right. And so, you know, I, I won't I won't be caller number one hundred and ten to get <laughs> backstage passes to go see uh, Depeche Mode because I'm just terrified at what would happen. So, yeah. So you like the mystique you you uh, understand and you like what basically Jimmy Fallon was talking about to them is people will always want that more than they want the real like band. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, it'd be different yeah. if I was friends with you. If let's just say that you became a rock star, and I know who you are, I know everything about you. We're we're besties, and that's different. But I don't want to insert myself into a stranger's life and then all of a sudden come up with who I think that they are because I have no clue. The only thing I know about them is through their music, and I'm yeah. okay with that. The music just speaks to me. It's like they're singing the song to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that there's something to be said about that. They if they if they wrote these words when they were in a vulnerable state or or they went through something and I'm able to connect with it, then I think that's way more powerful than having a three second conversation with them, getting a selfie and you know, meeting them at the airport and high fiving them or something like that. Like yeah. I I wouldn't get anything out of that. If I saw if I saw somebody that was famous and I would I wouldn't want to be up there and be like, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? I would just kind of like wave like, hey, what's up, man? Or give him like a thumbs up. Like, yes, be cool. <laughs> but <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? But that's that's my extent. Like, I, I am not interested in in getting a snapshot of who this person is. I would rather experience uh, who they are through their music. Yeah. Exactly. And that segues nicely to my next question. So, I mean, I believe, according to every movie site ever in in existence, that the Tiny Dancer bus scene is one of the most memorable scenes in film history. There you go. (laughs) Just my opinion. Um, As the band deals with inner fighting drama on a quiet bus ride, Tiny Dancer plays overhead. Everyone minds their own business as the tension builds to a breaking point when finally the bass player begins to sing. Everyone then slowly joins in and they all rejoice in their camaraderie. 
How important is the power of a music in affecting your mood? Do you think it has a power to, to cure disputes or sadness? It's the power to save the world. Yeah, that's the power of love. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I think that music is is one of the greatest things in the world, particularly rock and roll. Um, whether I mean, there's a billion bands out there that all do it great. You know, you mentioned ACDC, uh, Led Zeppelin, Creedence, The Doors, Hendrix, fucking Nirvana, or Foo Fighters in your case. Yeah, um, yeah. Van Halen, fucking Metallica, face melting Metallica. Um, <laughs> you know, it's something that people can connect with. Like it's it's almost like an icebreaker. It's it's you could be fighting with somebody and then fucking the Carpenters come on and it's just like Tommy Boy where all of a sudden they're singing together. It's music is a very powerful thing. I mean, how many times have you watched Lord of the Rings and when certain music comes on, you just start fucking crying. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. this is the greatest ever. And All so the time. <laughs> it's 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 powerful, you know, it, it connects with you on a on a level that nothing else is capable of doing. And so, um, yeah, man, fucking music is, is just amazing. And and while I've never been on a bus and experienced something like that, you know, I've been in uncomfortable car rides before, and then maybe it's an awkward silence, but then that song comes on and then you know, one of us turns up the radio a little bit and then we just kind of forget about all the, the shit that's around us that we're arguing about because it doesn't even matter anymore. It's like you're able to move on because of it. And I think that that's a powerful thing. It it serves as a vessel to help you just sort of move past the terrible. I think that's you, a good thing. Would you almost say, and nothing else matters? And nothing else matters. <laughs> there you go. After, after a minute of just music, nothing else matters. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think for me, music is just one of those things that no matter what mood you're in, you can just pop on. Like I have uh, three Google Home speakers set up in my house and they're all connected. It's called House Party. And so I'll just put random shit on Spotify and play it and just start dancing in my house. And man, I feel good. It's uh, it just has the power to do whatever. And I, unlike you, actually kind of like country. Um, I grew up with it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan in the sense of like, I'm going to find the newest Luke Combs album or whatever, but I can I can stand it, especially if I'm in a place like when I was in Nashville, I assimilated very well. I'm just like, I love country. They took our jobs and all that stuff. So I, I can really appreciate music for what it's worth. And and it's so fun to be able to dance to these songs and just clear any type of bad juju or, or shit that's going on in your life. And we all have those songs, you know, like it, that's why we have workout playlists. Cause we have certain songs that just get us pumped up or we have certain songs that we want to cry to. If we just went through a breakup, I'm looking at you, Adele, but a whole bunch of shit Hello. like that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> or some Stevie wonder, you know, sure. but uh, yeah. And, and it, me with Elton John, I absolutely love Elton John. I'm a huge fan. So this being one of my favorite songs of all time. I am a Michael Bolton fan. <laughs> all of them. It doesn't really. When he sings "When a Man Loves a Woman," I just I, it doesn't get much better than that. So, oh my god! But but yeah, I love Elton John absolutely, and so I think having one of his one of his most iconic songs and one of my favorite songs of his it just encapsulated so perfectly in this scene to show the power of music. I mean, because Cameron Crowe, he's married to you know Nancy Hart and. He, he he grew up around the Seattle music scene, so he understands what music is and, and the power of it. So I think it's 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 very very well done that you don't have to give much dialogue other than all right, you're going to join in this singing, you're going to join in this, and just to show that that's what it's all about. That was the, maybe their realest moment between all of them to understand that in this in this mystique of these prima donnas, this was their realest moment. So it was absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah. That is all I have to say about that. So, and then 
finally, Justin, final question. To follow up on the previous question, we all know that you love to sing sing songs. Sing song. Uh, what are some of the songs that you have to, have to is capitalized, sing every time you hear them played? Oh, man. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> Remember, this is only an hour and a half podcast. <laughs> just <laughs> sure. I mean, I would say anything about Michael Jackson, for crying out loud. So just his entire catalog. Um, Chicago, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry if that comes on. I'm just like, oh, my God, nobody talk. <laughs> um, so weird. Um, fuck, man. There's just a lot. Um, just all, mostly 80s stuff. So anything Depeche Mode or anything 80s, I'll just rock out as loud as I can, too. Um, there's a, there's one song, um, which I actually just started talking about the other day. It was uh, by uh, Benny Mardones. It's, uh, it's called... Uh, what is it called? Into the night. And it's all about like, he's, he's hooking up with a 16 year old girl <laughs> and it's really weird. Ugh. And, uh, and when it comes on, I just sing it as fucking loud as I can. I, I even roll down the windows so everyone can hear. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Terrible, nice. nerdy song, but it's just fun to just rock out to. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically anything I, in that scene, you, I think you mentioned it on the show when in heartbreak kid, when they're driving down to Mexico, and Lila knows every song <laughs> on the radio. That is me, one hundred percent. I I know ten million songs, and I know the words to all of them. And when you put on fucking any radio station, I can name that tune in three notes, kind of thing. And uh, it's terrible. So don't ever travel with me, or you will regret it. Ninety nine ooflet red balloons. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I see. I figured you would because you are just the type of guy that can. Uh can pick up on all that and you have just a steel trap for memory oh yeah it, it doesn't matter dude it could be motown it could be fucking disco it could be r&b it could be rock it doesn't matter i know it all and i love it and i usually know a fun fact about the band too. <laughs> i know you're like well actually i'm just, like, oh, I'm just trying to enjoy uh, my music justin <laughs> i know yes but the band is not even real <laughs> um <laughs> so oh man for me, uh, Tiny Dancer is easily on there. Uh, anything by the Backstreet Boys or like In Sync, but pretty much I want it that way. I whenever that comes on, I sing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Sweet Child of Mine, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you're flat, you're flat, you're flat. <laughs> so, I'm gonna save it with look the, good when you sing. <laughs> I'm gonna save it with save it with a solo here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Brightside by the Killers, Riptide by Vance Joy, uh, Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys, Wake sure. Me Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham. Uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal, Big Papa and Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G., Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, and Hotel California by The Eagles, to name a few. And I'm sure there are plenty more, but those are all songs that no matter when they're on, I just, I, I go I go for it. I have to. Mm-hmm. It is too hard it. not to. I like to sing. So. You do. Yeah. You are a tiny dancer. No, oh, thanks. I try my best. Hold me closer, Justin Cavender. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man, so that is Almost Famous. Um, do you have any final thoughts? And uh, what is your final letter grade for, for this movie? Um, no final thoughts, um, but I do, I do enjoy this movie. I, I'm right there with, with the Rotten Tomatoes. I, I'd give it a, a B plus, A minus. I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you know my answer. It's easily an F for me, but it is an A plus. I absolutely love this film. It can do no wrong. It is my Starship Troopers, basically. Bad comparison, but I but I really like it a lot. Um, so Please that do. is uh, that is that. That's uh, almost famous. Thank you for enduring this director's cut podcast. So. Sure. 
Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. It's going to be fun. I'm going to try to post this episode on Friday, actually. Shake things up a little bit. That's what we do here. We oh, shake things up. <laughs> shake it off. Yeah. This is, shake, this is date. Shake it up. This is date Mike. So we shake it up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, cool. Do you can are, like Mari. Are, are we are we good? Can I take us can I take us home, maybe? Yeah, go for it, man. Oh, it's right. your birthday. It's your birthday month. Oh, Do whatever you want. They say it's my birthday. Oh, Thank wait, you for wait, wait, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, 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 yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, 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 under siege on saturday oh my god <laughs> i just hit me yeah i watched under siege when jake or not jake Busey, gary Busey is the exo on the ship and fucking man there's so many movies that gary Busey's in that i just love like lethal weapon and point break <laughs> and just seeing him in under siege just put a smile on my face so i was like fucking gary Busey. this guy just cracks me up um so let me just throw that out there i did watch under siege and then i also watched jackie brown which by the way is two and a half hours long for those of you that are curious and i started Damn. at midnight and i was like fuck this movie's never gonna <laughs> 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 fucking robert forrester just walking through the mall at like a snail's plate he's like walking like ian at target was and just <laughs> just, just cruising <laughs> along like dude this movie could have been over 90 minutes ago if you would just fucking walk fast but he's a mosier so oh, there is that but yeah i mean i I love Jackie Brown. I enjoy the shit out of it. I love the music that's in it. And um, it reminded me of, uh, there's this part when um, when Ordell Roby goes and picks up, uh, when Samuel Jackson picks up uh, Beaumont, he picks up Chris Tucker and he puts him in the trunk and then he starts playing the music and it's a uh, Brothers Johnson, it's Strawberry Letter 23. And um, are you familiar with that song? No. It's, it's like, do, 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 do. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, one time in like the early 2000s, I got a phone call where it was a polling service and I had never participated in a poll before. So I was very excited about it and I had to turn down the radio because that song was actually playing and it was kind of loud. And the the nice lady on the phone, she was a black woman. She's like, what are you over there listening to? And I was like, Strawberry Letter 23 by the Brother Johnson. And she's like, how do you know about them? And I'm like, um, cause I'm cultured. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm like, how you say a jive turkey? And she just started laughing. She thought it was the funniest thing ever. And she, she said, you're so funny, baby. It was cute. Aww. And I was like 24 years old. And I'm just having a time in my life with this lady because I learned that song from Jackie Brown. And it just kind of took me back. That's funny. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I saw under siege. It's the submarine one, right? No, uh, yes. Uh, well, I mean, they're on an aircraft carrier, but there is a submarine that comes up to transfer the nuclear weapons. That's to... right. I saw in a theater with my dad, and uh, he really liked... he was in the navy at the time. So yeah, he was like, yeah, the navy. What's the train one? That's two. That's dark territory. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fucking Not Steven good. Seagal. Will and Sasso's that... Steven Seagal is my favorite Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I saw I saw Under Siege two at this. Uh, it's funny because we were, we were talking about this the other day on Geek Legacy where these movie theaters that used to have a can that they would go around and collect money for different oh, yeah. organizations. The Will Rogers Institute. Will Rogers Institute, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, in fact, that was what this one was. It was at a at a United Artists Theater and they were ones for, they like to, to take your money. And it's like, well, why don't you just sum up the, maybe the $8 I spent on the popcorn there, you can uh, take two off the top and <laughs> we'll call it good. Yeah. But, uh, 
They they wanted their monies. And so, uh, yeah, I remember going to see Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, and then seeing this can go by. I'm like, what do you want from me? I bought a ticket. I bought food. I, bought, I got a popcorn. I got a soda. And you want more money? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I can't I can't not donate. I don't want to be that guy. So I was like, fine. Here's my, here's my $2. My last $2 you can have. But, sorry. It was a weird tangent, but. <laughs> no, I like that, it. That's awesome. I mean, that's why I like catching old 80s flicks when when I'm I'm looking at stuff or, you know, 90s flicks. But when I'm looking at stuff to watch, I'm like, do I really want to w- watch this Think Piece film or do I want to watch fucking Predator? And I'm like, fucking right. Predator each time. <laughs> it was 100% a fucking Predator moment when I saw Under Siege. It was like on yeah. Amazon or something. I was like, fuck, I haven't seen this movie in years. So yeah. I watched well, it. And uh, and I was going to watch Tenet the other night because it's finally on HBO Max. And I've been saying I'm, I'm, I'm only going to wait until it's streaming to watch it. And it's streaming. And I was like, Predator 2 sounds pretty good right now. <laughs> so... I fucking love Predator 2. It's so fun. Oh, God. Yes. And I just looked up Lethal Weapon and none of them are streaming. So I think I'm just going to try to buy it on digital because I love those movies so much. Mine is three, but I still love all of them. Yeah, they were streaming at the beginning of the pandemic because was, those are the first movies that I watched right. uh, when I was working from home. And they had all four, like on Netflix or something. So yeah. sorry about that. But sorry. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how this the the mood's got to strike you. And Tenet, I can't. I, I I was wishing that you had watched it sooner because I can't rewatch it. There's no fucking way I'm watching this movie again. And I had thoughts, but they might have left my head. <laughs> so maybe good. you can refresh. I, I had complaints and concerns, but I needed to talk with somebody about it immediately. Yeah, and you you took too long. I'm sorry. I that's what that's what happens. If I had a nickel for every time someone said you took too long. So Yeah. If you have a soundbar, then I would I watch it with your soundbar. Uh maybe it can it can figure out the audio and process the dialogue over the fucking trains going by or the goddamn <laughs> ships sailing and making their sounds while people are talking. I hope that uh I'm just glad Tom Hardy's not in it because then it'd be muffled the entire time. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Mask off. There you go. Oh my God! Real quick, uh, this fucking <laughs> Venom Venom Two trailer dropped. I know. They must, oh they must have God. listened. They listened to our comments on the, on the Don't Be Crazy podcast. <laughs> sure. So I actually enjoy Venom, and we talked about it a couple weeks back. So if you're into listening to archived episodes, definitely give that one a listen to because I do think some of your concerns were addressed, particularly the hairstyle of one. Cletus Carnage or whatever the <laughs> fuck his name is. <laughs> yeah. Cletus Cassidy. That's it, Cassidy. Cletus, yeah. Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Carnage. <laughs> there you go. And the Sundance Venom. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I mean, I, I did not like the first Venom movie very much, but uh, I am excited for this one. If, I mean, it's not, it can't get any worse. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, go up. Yeah. Uh, Everything's coming up Millhouse. But uh, yeah. Okay, okay and now it, I'm done. Anything? I'm finished for real this time. I, I promise. I, I had I had sticky quips all over the house, and I had to, I had to make sure that I brought those things up because I forgot. I when, you're, when you're feeling in a fun mood, so <laughs> listen here, Gabe. <laughs> I almost said something rude to everyone. So anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as a pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. 
Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.